Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. We ought to shout for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and made safe. And I want to tell you today, you may, have gone, you may be going through something right now that has a high anxiety in your life. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The Bible says every knee must bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you're dealing with rejection today, it has to bow at the name of Jesus. If you're dealing with guilt today, it has to bow at the name of Jesus. If you're dealing with shame today, I'm telling you, it has to bow at the name of Jesus. Not good enough, it has to bow at the name of Jesus. So God, right now, we declare your name that's above all names. King of kings, Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last, the author, the finisher of our faith. I pray, God, today that you would be exalted, the enemy would be defeated, and Jesus Christ would be Lord and manifested in this room today. I pray, Lord, that there is mountain-moving faith here in this room. I pray that we would say unto that mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and not doubt in our heart, and it will be done for us. Because the name that's above all names living on the inside of us. King Jesus, we worship you. We magnify your name. I pray, Lord, today as we look at the life of David, I pray, Lord, that it stretches us. Lord, I pray that we would not look at David and just see him in the palace all of a sudden, but there were steps. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in his way. That life is a setup, and we choose the way it's set up. So as we look at his life today, see some steps that he made in his life I pray God that there is promotion in the room I speak favor in the room today I speak favor in the room today that you're opening doors that no man can shut you're shutting doors that no man can open and I pray God your favor your favor your favor be done in this room today in Jesus mighty name of Nazareth and everybody said Amen. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you finally made it to church. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right. Hey, can, we, can, we, can you do something for me? Let's give the worship team a hand this morning. Wasn't it good? Amen. Well, you may be seated. Uh, we are in the middle of a series right now called From the Pasture to the Palace. And uh, I want to give you the text that the, where, <clears throat> where I got the title from this. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and verse 8. It says, So now say this to my servant David. Thus says the Lord of hosts. So this is through the prophet Nathan that he speaks to David. And he says, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. Come on, is there some believers in the room that God's pulled you out of the miry clay and set you on a rock to stand? Come on, is there some believers in the room that God's healed your body, that he set you free and he's redeemed you from a past? Come on, is there some believers in here that you may not be in the breakthrough that you want today, but, be, be, but you're here and you celebrate the Lord because you've been through breakthrough and you know he's the God of breakthrough and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? But I love the text of David because we aspire to be like Jesus, do we not? We want to be like the Lord, that he came to seek and save those things that which were lost. We look at the life of Jesus, and we say, you know, Christ 
Christ in us, the hope of glory. We see so many things and uh, the way he ministered to people. You know, I was reading a text this last week. I mean, he, he was so gifted on how he could turn a situation around from Pharisees to Sadducees to the woman at the well because he's a God of love, he's a God of mercy, and he's a God of grace. <clears throat> and I can honestly say that sometimes I can make the situation worse. I have the gift of sarcasm that the Lord has given me very well. And I use it, I cultivate it, I'm gifted in that area, and I feel like I have to use it. And so, uh, so it, but, but my point is this, we aspire to be like Jesus, but we look at David's life and we're more like him. And you know what we do lots of times is, yesterday I went to go pick up some firewood from a buddy of mine's house, and I pulled up to his place, and see, I don't see it as this, but you could think about this, He's, it's a kid that... Uh, I, he's a guy that's my age, maybe a little bit younger, but you pull up to his place, he's got a nice place, he's got uh, all these horse stalls, he's got a nice barn, he's got a calf alley, he's got a place uh, you, you can rope steers in as well. It's nice pipe fence, probably 60 acres is the place. And just looking at it, when I was pulling up, I was thinking to myself, man, he's such a blessed man. But if I'm not careful, I will look at all the gifting that he has now and I'll forget about the grind that he put in to get the gift he has today. And lots of times what we do is, is we look at people's life and we see them in the palace and we don't look at the times that they were in the pasture that God was preparing them for the place that they are today. And so we, uh, you know, looking at uh, just, just here's a perfect example. You take Michael Jordan. What we want to see is him dunking the ball and shooting the game-winning three-pointer three shot. I would use a, a player today, but I really don't follow the NBA. But my whole point is this. Uh, we look at the gift that we enjoy, but we don't necessarily see him at the squat rack. We don't necessarily see him doing the push-ups. We don't see him the first one to practice and the last one to leave. We don't see all of those things. We just see what's out in front of us. And I believe there's some things in David's life uh, uh, that, that points to some things in the pasture that set him up for being in the palace. And so... Uh, Last week, we looked at Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. It says, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. I don't know about you, but I aspire to be a man that's after God's own heart. That when I'm dead and gone, that on my tombstone, it says, Travis Bennett, a man after God's own heart. And so, uh, but, but thinking about that, he found David. You know, as I was talking about that, because one of the things that I want to point out today is some of the accomplishments that David did. See, of him being in the palace. But before he was in the palace, I see this about David, that he was David the Great. I see that he was in the golden era. I see that he was the one that united Judah and Israel together. I see that David uh, conquered Jerusalem and took Jerusalem back. I see that David brought the Ark of the Covenant back into the land with, with, to God's chosen people. I see that he extended the boundaries. I see that he cut off the head of a giant. I see that he was a warrior. But can I tell you this? Uh, before he was a warrior, he was a worshiper. Before he was a warrior, he was a worshiper. And it's the times in the pasture that lined him up to be in the palace because he was a, he was a worshiper out in the field. Before he was a warrior, he was a worshiper. And I'm going to show you in text. But looking at John chapter 4, I was studying it the other night. I was looking at it the other night, the woman at the well. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, if you don't know the story, they're not even supposed to be with one another. He, she's getting a drink. And he said, if only you knew who I was, you wouldn't have to thirst again. And, but in the text, what I love about in John chapter 4 is this. At the very end, he, well, he asked her, he said, 
uh, where is your husband? She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you answer correctly. Actually, you've had five husbands and you're living with one now. But how many of y'all know she met the seventh man in her life, which was the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and it's the seventh one that'll set you free, right? I'm not saying that you should say seven husbands and that'll be the perfect one. I'm just saying finally she introduced Jesus into her life, and that's what made the difference. But at the end of it, he said, God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Look at the text. See, what is the action of looking? It's finding. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, the eyes of the Lord go to and forth, looking for those whose hearts are after the Lord. Can I tell you this? It's, it's not a coincidence that in Acts chapter 13, and verse 22, it says, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. Why? Because God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. See, I'm not saying that the Lord's not looking for you, but I'm telling you this. You will have bells on you when you have a heart that's after God in a time of worship. Are you hearing me today? And so, you know, I think there's lots of us in the room that if we talk about it, uh, worship is a feminine thing. We, when we think about this. Now, now I want to ask some questions this morning. I want us to be completely vulnerable in here. I want to ask how you were raised, and I'm going to tell you how I was raised. All right? Now, how many of y'all in here, you were raised in the Methodist church? Just lift your hand. All right? We got one there. We got one there. Is there anybody else? The third one? We got a fourth one right over here. We got a fifth one right over here. Joni's pointing at Mark. Mark's not going to raise his hand. He is not. He, <laughs> uh, how many of y'all raised Baptist? Where you at? Oh, we got some Baptocostals in here today. Come on, somebody. Uh, how many of y'all raised Episcopalian? Let me see your hand. All right. How many of y'all raised uh, Catholic? All right. All right. How many of y'all raised Church of Christ? Where's the Church of Christ people at? All right. This is a whole new experience for you. I know that. Uh, how many of y'all raised in the, uh, um, let's just call it charismatics. Where's, where's all the charismatics at? All right. Absolutely. Holy mackerel tabernacle. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Some holy rollers. All right. Uh, that is definitely me. I was raised in a very uh, charismatic church, very charismatic home. And, uh, you know, we, we, we sang songs like, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for thee, for me, for me. All right, and then you'd have. So my point is this. <laughs> oh, Lord. And I'm so thankful for it. I promise you that. I'm so thankful for it. But. Well, I remember as a kid, we'd go, we'd go across town, whether it be to funerals or other things. So my, my grandmother, she was, uh, my great-grandmother, she was raised Church of Christ. And I'm raised in this charismatic home. This is all that I've ever known. It's like, you know, people swinging from the chandeliers. And, you know, we, I remember when we moved to Colorado, Kenneth Hagin, he would come once. He'd come for two weeks every summer. And when he came, you'd invite your friends, and they'd be like, is that your mom running? No, that's not her. I swear that's the same woman that was just at your house. That is not her. Y'all, I, I, I'm not even kidding you. I have like five charismatic badges in my dresser at home. I promise you, if there was no running in church, you didn't have church. Come on, somebody. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it hit them, and whew, they'd take off. Then, then they'd grab another one. They'd grab another one on the way, and they'd be a speed. I'm telling you, we were holy rollers growing up. So, and let me tell you something. 
I'm going to tell you straight up, I miss it. How many of y'all know we need to be more excited about the things of God than we do anything of the things of this world? All right? And so, anyways, um, uh, I would go visit, whether it be the Church of Christ, when I'd go see my grandmother in, in Breckenridge, Texas. I, I remember sitting there, coming from the background I was, and it'd be at the Church of Christ, and I'd be like, who died? Is this a funeral? This is terrible. Like, you know that it's more exciting than this, right? I, I remember going to a church across town that my aunt went to for many, many years. And it was the old church. It had the pews, you know. It had, it had pews. In fact, uh, the church that I grew up in, it, it had pews. And years ago, we had an opportunity to get, to get one out of the church that I grew up in on 9th and Alta Vista. And I have one in my home. And it has a smell to it. How I many of y'all know those old building smells? Where the, you know, I, I like it. Brandy said, you smell that? I said, oh, yeah, that's charismatic sweat from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> that's got some Aquanet hairspray with a little bit of, you know, <laughs> with some, you know, some sport coats that have sweated through the back of the, the, you know, wooden. I said, oh, yeah, take that in. Oh, I feel the presence of God. I sat in there and I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> came all up on me. Oh, Lord. It's all right if we have a little fun this morning. So anyways, my, my, my whole point was this. When I would go to church with them, it like had this smell to it. And I literally was like, who died? Who are we celebrating today? And, but one thing that I remember in this Methodist church, I remember looking out across there, and the song leader would be leading the service. And all across the room, all the women would be worshiping God. But all the men, it was very stoic. Like, I, I remember uh, it'd be moments like where the woman, they may start crying because they'd be touched by the Lord. And the man's looking at him like, don't cry. This pastor's going to think that I beat you at home or something like that. They're going to come looking at us. But the men, they did this right here. And lots of times we think of worship as being a very feminine act. But can I tell you, as I look at the life of David, who was, he, I mean, a guy that to get in order to get Saul's daughter, who was a man's man, had to kill a hundred, had to have to bring back in a bag a hundred foreskins. If you don't know what that is, just Google it. No, don't Google it. Don't Google it. Race the tape. Go back. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh. But he didn't bring 100 foreskins. He brought 200 foreskins. This is a man's man. Man's man. But the Bible says before he ever killed a giant or killed any Philistine or got any foreskins, he was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. In fact, we'll see in Scripture today that he danced undignified before the Lord. And I'm telling you, if you want revival in your home, if you want revival in your house, you want revival in your city, you want revival in your country, men, we're going to have to step up to the plate and be worshipers that God's called us to worship the Lord. Are you hearing me today? So if you have your Bibles open to the first, first uh, um, Samuel chapter 16, and can I tell you, before I even start about worship, it's, there's more that's caught in worship than taught in worship. There's more that's caught than taught because I can teach you how to shout. 
I can teach you how to raise your hands. See, some of y'all are like, oh, I'm good at raising my hands, but you're still in the baby seal mode. This is what a baby seal does. But I'm saying like, all right, let's lift our hands and worship. And you're like, that's what a baby seal does, all right? Some of y'all are like, carry the TV. Come on, let's carry the TV. Some of y'all are at half-mast. But can I tell you, and none of those things really matter, but my heart is this, that you have a heart that's so reckless for the things of God that you don't care. Can I tell you, nobody around you has done for you what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has done for you. So you shouldn't care about what so-and-so thinks about you. Let's go from the baby seal to lifting our hands for the goalpost. Come on, it's good. Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. So David was far from feminine. He was a worshiper ever, way before he was ever a warrior. If you have your Bibles open in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 14, if you were here last week, if you weren't here last week, I will encourage you to listen to that message. Because uh, there's something in David's life that I see this, that he was rejected by his daddy. And because of that rejection, that spirit of rejection on his life, he was rejected by his uh, Saul, the king that he wanted love from, that would fill the gap from his dad, but he never got it from him. He was rejected by his brothers at the battlefield. He was rejected by one of his wives. <laughs> he had this thing that was going on, but even though people rejected him, he always pursued after the Lord. And it doesn't matter what people think, like I said before, but uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 14, it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Can I tell you this? That's a bad place to be when the Spirit of the Lord departs from your life. We ought to do everything that we can to pursue after the things of God rather than the things of God departing from us. And it says, An evil spirit from the Lord tormented and terrified him. I talked about that last week of what that meant. But because anything that the enemy does, he first has to have permission from either you or from the, uh, from the king of kings. How many of y'all know even the enemy has to be submitted to Jesus. In verse 15 it says Saul's servant said to him, "Behold, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are here before you find a man who plays skillfully on the harp." I want you to point something out. Here is a man that is full of devils. I believe that with all my heart. In fact, you follow him the rest of 1 Samuel, this guy is demonized. He is schizophrenic. He is crazy as a buck deer. He goes nuts. How many of y'all know when the Spirit of God leaves you, you go crazy too? And so uh, in this particular text I see right here, they call for a man in the land not to pray but to play. Not to pray but to play. It says, play the skillfully on the harp. And when the evil spirit from God is on you, he shall play the harp with his hand and you will be well. You know why I think it's so important? I mean, you can watch it online and I want to say hello to all of our friends that are watching online. But there is something about being in the presence of God. There is something about being right here in the presence of God. The Bible says in Psalm 16, 11, in his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. In fact, at the verse of it, it says, I will show you the path of life. You know, how many of y'all know there's so many times in our life that we get off the path, that there is distractions that we have, whether it be from your kids, whether it be from your finances, your spouse, your job, whatever it is. And I don't know about you, but I rely on a Sunday morning about getting in the presence of God. I rely. 
I, I, I do it at home as well, but it's something about coming together with the saints, that there is faith in the room, that there is encouragement in the room. Come on, there is, there is anointing that breaks the yokes and bondages of sin and death that's in the room. When they were in the upper room in the, uh, the book of Acts, they were in one accord. The Spirit of God moved on them. I'm telling you, there is something about being in the house. And so what happens, what I see right here is he began to play the harp. The Bible says, you will be well. So in verse 17, so Saul told his servants, find me a man who plays well and bring him to him, him to me. I want to point something out because I'm going to bring this to attention just in a minute. But I see something in 17. Find me a man who plays well and brings him to me. Find me a man who plays well and bring him to me. It wasn't the position of his dad being Jesse. Jesse didn't even like him. You know what brought him before the king? His trade. There's so many of you out there, you're like, well, pastor, I don't have the opportunity to share the gospel like you do because you're a preacher. I'm telling you, what's going to bring you before the king and show people the king is whether or not you do your trade well or not. We have so many people that do whatever they do half-heartedly. I don't know. Whatever you do and anything that you do is how you do everything. And we might as well do it like Jesus lives on the inside of us. And so it goes on to say in verse 18, And one of the young men said, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a brave and competent man of war. I want you to see something here. Before he was a warrior, what was he? He was a worshiper. He was a worshiper, a brave and competent man, a warrior, discerning in speech, and handsome man, and the Lord is with him. I'm going to come back to the scripture in a minute because I want you to see something in this that I hadn't seen before, but I believe you'll see it today. In verse 19, so Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me David, your son, who is with the flock. Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a jug of wine and a young goat and sent them to Saul with David, his son. Verse 21. Then David said to Saul and attended him, Saul loved him greatly, and later David became his armor bearer. Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Please let David be my attendant, for he has found favor in my sight. So it came about that whenever the evil spirit from God was on Saul, David took a harp and played it with his hand. So Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would leave him. How many of y'all know the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty? Let's say that again. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I mean, y'all know, I remember we used to sing that song. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. It is freedom. I'm telling you, there is freedom when you get in the presence of God. I'm going to say that again. There is freedom when you get in the presence of God. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You have to get close to God in order to experience freedom. But there's something about this. And young people, I want you to lean in right now. And even the older people as well. But I see something about David's life that set him up for the battlefield. The very next text is 17th when he goes the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel, where he goes before Goliath, and God uses him to cut off the giant's head and deliver it to the same camp of where he was from. This is a man's man. But I see something in the text right here. Before he was ever a warrior, 
He was a skillful musician. He was gifted. You know what we can do sometimes is be mesmerized by the gift and forget about the grind that it takes in order to fulfill the gift that we have? How many of y'all know God? I believe each and every one, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. I believe each and every one of you in here, God's put a deposit in you, and it doesn't mean it's going to come forth. It just means this, that you're going to have to develop it. You know, just talking about music, I, I believe the Lord has gifted me with that. With music. I remember first learning how to play when I was uh, in, in high school. My, my dad's a very good musician as well. But I learned how to start and I started playing the bass. My, remember my dad showed me a few notes. But you know what I did? I got around other people that were gifted as well. And I saw how they played it. See now you, there's, there's no excuse not how to do anything. Because now you have YouTube. I didn't have YouTube. I had to read books, and I had to look at different things, and I remember playing the bass. But I remember this. When I got to college at Southwestern Assembly God University, there was a group of guys, and they needed an acoustic guitar player. So you know what I did? I learned how to play the acoustic guitar. But can I tell you, that gift was on the inside of me, but if I didn't cultivate and practice that gift, that gift would have never came out of me. I didn't even sing. I promise you, I never sang one note growing up. I had a microphone when I was on stage. I played the bass in our church, and I played the bass, but the, 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 it was muted. I just, I guess, looked good while I was singing, which was fine because I had an excitement about me. My dad taught me, my parents, I should say, my parents taught me how to worship before the Lord. And so when I'd get on stage, so they had my, they had my mic muted. I, they, nobody ever heard me, but it was the passion that came forth of what we wanted the body to experience as well. Is what it was. But I remember being in college and they said, Here's, you should learn how to play this. And so what I do every single day, do I believe that gifting was in me? But it didn't just come forth. I, I told the story this morning. It's like this. You, you want the product, but you don't want the payment that it takes in order to have the product. If you want the nice car, you're going to have a payment unless you pay for it all in one time. But most of you in this room, you have a payment on your car. And if you don't have the payment, they're going to come get the product from you. Meaning this, whatever it is that you do, the Bible says, do it as unto the Lord. What I see about David here, we don't know how many times he went to practice. We don't know how many times he was out in the field and he was lugging this big harp. How many of y'all know it's going to cost you something if you're going to be good at whatever you're doing? And he had to, he had to carry this harp. Can you imagine how much of a pain that was? Dad, why didn't you let me play the cymbal? But I'm just telling you this. See, I, I see kids today. The reason I say that, and kids, I want you to lean in. If you're going to be great, you have to be diligent today. Because I see this mantra across kids that they, 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 they want to get off at 3 and they want to go home and they want to Netflix and chill. Can I tell you, if you want to be successful in life, that's when it begins the grind, baby. Of putting your hand to the plow. The Bible says this, you can take the seventh day off, but you've got to work six in order to have one day off. It's not five and it's not four, it's six. Are you hearing me? I have one Bible up here. That's six right here. Right? That's six right there. But I mean... I. I heard this story years ago, and it fits right here. Because I'm looking at David's life. Remember, in order for him to get to the palace, there's things that he did in the pasture that got him in the palace. Uh, I'm, um, I heard this story about a, a preacher years ago. He, in, he inherited all this land, and it was like, you know, a section of land. <clears throat> he goes out there, 
and there's weeds that are grown up. He's looking at the house. There's windows that are broke. There, it needs painted. It needs work. So every weekend, he would go out there on a Saturday, and he would work on that place. He'd hook up to the plow. He'd plow the field. He got the weeds out. He got the yard looking nice and all this different stuff. Three years in, he's like, man, this is like a money pit. But finally, it's taken root, and it's looking nice. And a guy stops by the house, and he says, oh, my gosh, your place looks incredible from three years ago. It's amazing what you and God did together. And the preacher says back to him, he says, you should have saw it when God had it all to himself. Listen, just because, how do I put this? Just because you have the gear doesn't mean you got the game. We just left the, the WRCA rodeo was here. I didn't go up there, but I've been up there before. And I've walked by many of them that I, I've, I've said, that's all hat and no cattle. Like they got the hat and they got the boots, but they don't know which end of a horse to even halter. Right? It's what we call posers. But they're walking around. They got their spurs on, jingle jangle music man. And they look the part. But how many of y'all know this? I'm just talking as believers right now. I don't want to be a believer that has all the gear, but I ain't got the game. Let me put it like this. I don't want to just talk the talk. I want to walk the walk. I want to walk the walk. And so when I look at David's life, what I see about him is he's not only diligent, but he was excellent. Uh, we ought to have the mentality, if it's going to be for God, it ought to be good. And what I look at the text, verse 7, 16, 18 right here, it says, He was a skillful musician, a brave and competent man, a warrior, discerning in speech, a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. See, what we think is this, because the Lord is with him, and we know this to be true, because the Lord was with him, he was a skillful musician. We know because the Lord was with him, he was a brave and competent man. We know because the Lord was with him that he was discerning in speech. We know because the Lord was with him, he was a handsome man. But the writer here points something out because the only reason he got a position for the king was not because the Lord was with him, but because he was good at what he did. I'm just telling you, in whatever you do, you ought to do it the best because Christ lives on the inside of you. Are you hearing me today? And whatever it is that we do. And see, what they saw was this, because this is actually the way that Saul saw it. Saul saw it, wow, you're a skillful musician. Come play for me. Wow, you look good. Oh, and because of those things, now I see this. The Lord is with you. Are you seeing it? I hope you get revelation of that. You know, in all of this, I look at David's life. Before we get to the palace... This ought to be us. It may not, music was his thing, but, you know, if, you're, if your gift is hospitality, you need a skillet. Hey, that was the Lord's skillet. It's going to have to take a skillet in order to have good hospitality skills. Come on, somebody. Here's the deal. You might say, God's gifted me with hospitality, but I go to your house and you haven't vacuumed the floors, then you're not using the gift wisely. Are you seeing what I'm saying? In this text right here, I see something about him here. He was a man of war. He was discerning in his speech and a handsome man, and the Lord was with him. You know, he was a handsome man. I believe this as believers. You know, 
I'm thankful for casual church. I'm thankful that we don't wear a suit and tie anymore. I know there's some places that do, and I think that's great, whatever. Um, But can I tell you this? Something about the casualty of church has taken away the fear of the Lord inside the body of Christ. Like we get so comfortable. I mean, I come in with water. There's times I have coffee inside of here and, and, and things like that. But can I tell you this? That, that what, what I see about him, I think all of us should be at a place that I'm going to get in the presence of God. So I'm going to be my best, to look my best and do my best and speak my best. Because I'm going before the Lord of lords. Are you hearing me this morning? And if we're going to be people that say the Lord is with him, we ought to look. Like we're not bums. We ought to look the best that we can be. Are you hearing me today? Now, I'm not saying when people come through the door and they're wearing their pajamas, they look like they just left the fourth row of Walmart. How many of y'all know we ought to love them? God has a plan for their life. But what we ought to do is disciple them to fear the Lord when they come into the house of God. Are you hearing me today? And so, looking at this text, what I see about David way before he ever... And once again, in chapter 17, he goes before Goliath and saves the whole nation by cutting off his head. But before he does that, he was in the courts of the king worshiping the father. I'm just telling you right now, if you're going to get a seat before the king, you need to learn how to be a worshiper. If you're going to cut off the head of a giant, you first got to learn how to be a worshiper. You know, as I look across David's life, I see this. He said this, magnify the Lord with me. We will exalt his name forever. As I look at David's life, I I think about this, that he was out there with his sheep and he had his heart beside him. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm a shepherd right now, but it's the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. I think of so many things that he said. I was young and now I'm old, but yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I'm telling you, when I look at David's life, I see this. Magnify the Lord with me. We will exalt his name forever. You know, that's one of the things that I say in the intro of the video when, when Sean Foyt came was, and that's what I feel like we did during COVID. We magnified politicians, we magnified a disease, we magnified Dr. Fauci. But what God has called us to do in a time of worship, when we magnify the Lord, he gets bigger and the problem gets smaller. How many of y'all know that? Like that thing, COVID was big, but it's not bigger than God, Right? And everything that we've gone through in the last couple of years, it may be big, and that's what I'm trying to scream as I'm praying right there. Magnify the Lord with me. We will exalt his name forever. Like today, you may be in a situation, and this is coming from a heart of worship, where he says, you know what? The giant may be big, but I'm going to magnify God, and he's not bigger than my God. I'm telling you, a hundred Philistines and the foreskins of them may be big, but they're not bigger than my God. And when you magnify God, you don't get a hundred, you get two hundred. Are you hearing me today? And so David, he, we see this about him. If you would open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 6, and I want to point some things out about his life. But David always desired to be in the presence of God. And we know this, that the Ark of the Covenant 
had been stolen from Saul. And Saul didn't do anything about it, but it was in David's heart that he returned the Ark of the Covenant back to the city, the city of David. And if you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, uh, real quick, uh, we, we've had Pastor Robert had a study on the tabernacle, but in Exodus, what it set up was God came down and lived in this box. It was the throne of God. It was the presence of God. And what happened was in the Old Testament, in, inside this box, this box of acacia that they lined with wood and they had rings on the outside and it would only be only priest. The seraphim, the, the, the cherubim was up on top of it and that's where the presence of the Lord lived on the earth. And what happened was, was one time a year, it would, that, that Ark of the Covenant would be in the Holy of Holies. And then there was an outer court, there was an inner court and there was an outer court. But only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies one time a year. In fact, I read commentary the other day that that priest's life would not live for very long because how many of y'all know the presence of God is a powerful thing that we should not take for granted, but we should honor in our lives. And so um, they would go into this, this, this Ark of the Covenant. Well, that's what it was, was, was the presence of God. Well, it, it had gotten stolen from the peop- God's chosen people, and Saul didn't do anything about it. So now that David is a worshiper, and he has a heart after the Lord. He says, I want to get it back. So he goes into the Philistine camp. He gets it. He puts it on a cart. And he begins to bring it home. Well, there's some stumbling that happens. But the Bible says, as David and his men are bringing it back, I mean, they're doing the doggy. They're, they're, they're getting down. They are celebrating that it's coming back. The presence of God is coming. Because he knows this. Where the presence of God is, there is freedom. He knows where the presence of God is. Pain no longer has to be there anymore. Trials don't have to be there anymore. The presence of God. And so he's celebrating. Well, an ox begins to stumble. The cart begins to take a dive. And one of the men sits up and he touches the Ark of the Covenant. Well, he drops dead. How many of y'all know when a person drops dead at the party? It's a real joy kill. Right? I mean, I don't know. It's like it puts a damper on things. And the Bible says that David begins to mourn. And he goes before the Lord, why? So he, why did this happen? So on the way back, he goes to this place called Obed-Edom's house. And the Bible says in verse 11 of chapter 6, So the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Can I tell you, this is not a scripture that we should just look at and say, oh, that's awesome. This is a scripture that we should say, you know what? I want the presence of God in my house. Like when the presence of God in my house, my tomatoes are going to grow better than the person next door. Like when the presence of God is in my house, my children that have terrible grades, when they get in the presence of God, they will hit the dean's list at their university. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, when your marriage is on the rocks, you just bring the presence of God and you walk in the room, it's like Marvin Gaye's song comes on, on, on the Alexa. Come on, somebody. My mind says no, but my body. How many of y'all know that when the presence of God is, things that were broken get fixed and get put back together and placed in the puzzle where it's supposed to be? Are you hearing me? Like his business may have been not doing good, but the presence of God got into his home. How many of y'all have ever been in a home where you said, you know what, the presence of God is in this house? I hope people say that about the Bennett house. 
but they should say it about yours. I've been in some homes before where the presence of God was not there, and I could not wait to get out of it. How many of y'all have ever been in those houses before? You're like, was Jeffrey Dahmer here? Like, what is going on in here? You're feeling so weird. Like, this is, this, it makes you just uneasy on the inside. You can always tell when you're in, the, in, a, in a home where the presence of God is. I don't know about you, but I want, I, I, I mean, think about this. You, you should make the decision today that the presence of God is going to be in my house. Can you imagine inviting your friends over and having this big Ark of the Covenant? Having them over for dinner? What is that? It's the presence of God. How many of y'all know they're going to talk a little bit differently inside of your home? <laughs> Think about that. What is that? Oh, it's just the Ark of the Covenant. It's the throne of God. The presence of God. Mess with me. Come on, that's how we ought to be. Presence of God's my home. Devil, don't mess with me. How many of y'all know the things that are looked at over the waves of the internet in your home is whether or not the presence of God is going to be in your house? The things that we're having on our television, I'm going to go ahead and say that right now because Yellowstone's coming out this weekend. We've already made the decision. We're not going to watch it. Because we want the presence of God in the Bennett house. Are you hearing me? I know this is stepping on some of y'all's toes, but I'm, I'm just telling you right now. It ought not to be just the presence. David got to the palace to be the king over God's people because he revered and honored the presence of God. So the story goes on. It's at Obed-Edom's house, and he sees that he was blessed, and he's like, I don't want you to just be the blessed one. It was my idea to bring it back. So finders, keepers, losers, weepers, I'm taking the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says when he brought it into the city of David in Jerusalem there, the Bible says that he danced undignified before the Lord. In fact, he embarrassed his wife, but he didn't even care. I mean, I, you read the text, he like took off some clothes and he just, I don't know what he did, but he was getting after it. How many of y'all know we should be at such a place in our life that we should not care what anybody thinks about us in a worship set? Because none of those people had done for him, for David, what God had done for him. I hope you get this today. And so now, in fact, the Bible tells us this, that he puts it up on a hill, Mount Moriah. He puts, it, he puts the tabernacle up on the hill. Now, the old one was not as acceptable to the people. Now, they still couldn't touch it. They still, all of that, they still had to revere it. But it was still more accessible to people. And this is where we get uh, scriptures like Psalm 121. I'll go to it real quick. It says, I will lift my eyes up to the hills. How many of y'all know in everything in life we should be looking up rather than down? And this is a text that's doing that because the presence of God was up on the hill. From where shall help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You know what the enemy wants you to do when you get that phone call or you get that bad report or that doctor says that or that Coach, whatever it is, when they say something against you, the first thing the enemy wants you to do is look down. Some of y'all, y'all coming to church like that. And then you wonder why nobody talks to you because you don't look like you want anybody to talk to you. You have it down right here? Can I tell you, this is exactly what the enemy wants. 
I lift my eyes to the hill. What was he saying? He said, when I'm going through something wrong, I'm looking up. Not only was he looking up, because that's where my help comes from, but I'm looking to the presence of God. That's where my help comes from, the presence of God. Right there, the presence of God. The Bible says this about his tabernacle in, in uh, the book of Acts. Well, I, I just have to look for it, but there's, there's maybe Acts 15, 16. Here's the point. God says this, if I was to build another tabernacle, I'd build it like David's and not Moses'. Because people were accessible to the Lord. Can I tell you? David had a heart after God because he was a worshiper. So the story goes on. It says this in Acts. Or sorry, not in Acts. In 2 Samuel chapter 7. John, if you want to go ahead and come. It says, so now. As he's sitting inside of his home. May I say it's a big home. He's probably watching his 80 inch plasma. Caviar in a dish, palm branches, people feeding him grapes. And he looks out across there and he sees the presence of God. The Bible says he's moved with compassion and he says, Why is it I live in a house of cedar and God still lives in a tent? And he says, I want to honor the house, I want to honor the presence of God. I want to build you a temple. So he calls Nathan the prophet and he comes to him and says, tell the Lord that I want to build him a temple. It's not fair that I live in this house of luxury and all these people that serve me, but yet he's still in a tent. I'll build him one. So Nathan comes back to him and he says, the Lord won't let you build it because you've shed innocent blood. Not blood. In fact, we just celebrated Veterans Day. I want all of our veterans to stand. Come on, give them a hand as they stand up right here. Yeah! Love you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The reason that I point that out is because lots of people think this, that I can't be close to the Lord like David was rejected right there because they have killed. It doesn't say because there's a difference between killing and murder. He murdered Uriah the husband of Bathsheba that was innocent blood that didn't deserve to die and that's why God wouldn't use him to build the temple. In Romans it talks about killing righteously. I forget the, the, the version that I read years ago. But those of you that have had to kill for the freedom that we live in the United States of America, we applaud you and we thank you for the sacrifice that you, you gave to this country. Amen. <clears throat> so he says, you can't build it. So David says, you know what? I'll use my son Solomon. The Bible tells us in Chronicles when he shows up, he brings a billion dollars to the table. And he looks at all of his colleagues and he says, who's willing to sacrifice like I have? He laid it all on the line. You know why? That's how much he loved the presence of God. He loved, loved, loved the presence of God. 
So in verse 8, chapter 7, it says, So now say, say this to my servant David. He's speaking through Nathan. After he asked this, he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. I see this is a moment that God's having with David. He's saying, David, I remember when you were in the field and you worshipped me. I remember when you cut off the head of the giant, that it was nothing of what you did. It was everything that I did through you. I remember when you were in the cave and you wanted to lose your mind, but you still cried out to me. When you were in the other cave, when you were around people that were surrounded, you were surrounded by your enemies. But you still honored and reverenced the presence of God. He said, I want you to see, because you've done this, I've taken you from the pasture and now I've put you in the palace. He said, I've been with you wherever you have gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name like that of the great men of the earth. He didn't tell anybody else this, but he told David this. You know why? Because David honored God's presence. Then he goes, he said, I will appoint a place for my people of Israel and plant them so that they may live in a place of their own and not be disturbed again. The wicked will not afflict them again informally. Even from the day that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies, the Lord also declares to you that he will make a house, a royal dynasty for you. He said, "When when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendants after you who shall be born to you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build, he is the one who shall build a house for my name and my presence, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the strokes of the sons of man. But my loving kindness and mercy will not depart from him as I took it from Saul when I removed from before you. Verse 16. Your house, your royal dynasty is what the Amplified says. So, man, I want you to put it in the context of this. I'll put it in mind. Because I'm the one speaking here, but it says, Your house, Travis Bennett, the Bennett dynasty, and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Why? Because he honored the presence of God. Man, I think it's so clear. Can we stand to our feet? Can I tell you something? You you want your children to be blessed? Men, you learn how to worship the Lord. I'm telling you. You ain't cool anyway. Just going to go ahead and throw that out there. You know what we have to do? This, This is no joke. Lots of your tithes and offerings... They go towards fixing the padding on these chairs because you grip them so tight during a worship set. (laughs) That's wasting us money, y'all. I'm kidding. I really am. Some of y'all are out there and you're like, you know what? If you sang hymns, I'd be in. You're a liar. Pants on fire. It shouldn't matter what song's coming out. What matters is this. The Lord is good. 
and his mercy endures forever. If anything, ladies, let me talk to you for a second. Let me ask you, would that not be a turn on to you if you had a man that was so in love with the Lord that he didn't care about anybody else in the room? I, I, I've told this, Pastor Tyus told it probably more than me, but I shared it with him years ago. My dad was a children's pastor in our church. And I remember being after the service, there was this little boy that was always there. I can still picture him to this day. Kids would be jumping around. Listen, if y'all want to be blessed, you come up here on a Thursday at AOL Christian Academy. Go back here to the kinder, pre-K through second graders during a worship set. They act like Jesus is on the throne. The boys, the girls. I mean, I was watching my little boy catch. Y'all, the other day, he was down in the basement. And he was playing with his happy toy makers. And I could hear him clanking toys together. He was down there going, A maker, an echo worker, promise keeper, darkness. My God has said you are. My God, that is who you are. Oh, thank you, John. But here's the deal. I mean, I know if a six-year-old can get it, we ought to get it. You know what blesses me? But going back to that story, I remember seeing that boy, and he was like this. And I said, Dad, what's up with him? What crawled into his skin? He said, I want you to go in there, and I want you to look at his daddy. Mama was doing this. I mean, she was landing the plane. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Dad was in there. You know what blesses me when I see my boy Anson when he's up here and he lifts his hands, when I see my kids that are... Because this, this is what I know. In order to fight the good fight of faith, in order to cut the giant's head off, (laughs) that's chapter 17. In 16, he was first a warrior, or was first a worshiper. Then he cut the head of the giant off. Come on, I'm stretching us men. I'm stretching us men. Let go. I mean, you may be at the baby seal right now. Come on, next week, just give him half-mast. Carry the TV. Right? I'm telling you, you'll better be a better dad for it. You better be a better leader for it. When you carry the presence of God in your home, the Bible says, Obed-Edom's house took off let's get the presence of God back in our house let's get the presence of God back in our house come on let's get the presence of God back in our house amen every head bowed and every eye closed if you're in the room today and you say you know what 
I can't have the heart of a warrior. I can't much less have the heart of a worshiper. Because I've never been before the king. Can I tell you this? All of us in this room have had to answer this question in our life that there's a problem in our life. The problem is sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin leads to death. So the problem is sin, but the solution is Jesus. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In order to pay for the, for the penalty of sin, which is death, he became sin, meaning he died for you and I. The story is this, that we have a Savior that died on the cross, thinking about each and every one of you in the room. John the Baptist saw Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you have sin in your life, that means you've been bent. That means you've, you've missed the mark and you've turned your back on God. And if there's sin in your life today, I want to tell you there's a solution. And his name is Jesus and he's here. The presence of God is here. Jesus is here. But your response needs to be, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth. The Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that he died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. He come live on the inside of you. First John tells us this. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're not righteousness, I want to tell there's not righteousness in your life, right standing with God. I want to introduce you to Jehovah sick and new. He is our righteousness. So if you're in the room and you say, you know what, Pastor, there's sin in my life. I'm separated from God. I don't have peace in my life. I don't have the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. I'm messed up right now. I've turned my back on Him, but today I want to get things right. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I'm asking people in the room today, if you're away from God, I want you to get things right. So if you're in here and say, you know what, Pastor, that's me. You're talking to me. Lift your hand. Who is that? Amen. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I saw one hand in the room. Us other believers, let's pray this together. Say, Jesus. I admit I'm a sinner. I've turned my back on you. I've walked away from you. But today, I believe that you died for me. You were buried. And on the third day, you rose again. Showing resurrection power. Come live in my heart, Jesus. Make me new. I confess you as my Lord. From this day forward, I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app 
our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.